Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. is why are people into that did you have a good valentine's day now i'm personally more of a stay at home and listen to bjork and drink whiskey and curse the hallmark invention of romance kind of girl but you know it takes all kinds i hope you did all your sexy shopping at smittenkittenonline.com and if you didn't it's still winter and you are still horny So, I suggest you treat yourself to some sex toys from Smitten Kitten already. March is going to be a really exciting month for the podcast. We're going to record live in front of an audience March 15th at Catalyst Con, the Sex Positive Sex Education Conference. Our confirmed guest is going to be my hero, Dr. Carol Queen, and a bunch of other super rad babes will also be podcasting, including Tristan Tarmino and Susie Q and Shar Renoir. I know we'll be posting all about our shenanigans, so follow all of us on the internets, or if you're in the D.C. area, you can still register at CatalystCon.com. Thanks for tuning in to part two of our second episode. Part two finds executive pervert Melina Williams and myself deep in a dirty discussion about role play. We get into some very juicy stories of Melina's escapades as a pretty pony and an incredible tale about protesting a kinky slave auction by making things a little bit more real. Thanks for listening, and hey, if you like Why Are People Into That, then please like Why Are People Into That on Facebook and follow at Into That Podcast on Twitter and write us a nice review on iTunes or just click that little star and let us know what you think. I know you've been waiting for part two of episode two, so here it is. Why are people into roleplay? about costumes because I can say that I personally rarely feel the need to use a, a costume but I know that the, I'm not hating on people who do you know, I know that, <laughs> but for a lot of people that's not only not only uh, fun but uh, for some people it's crucial yeah or integral yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you're a fetishist right if you are a, right. if you are a straight-up fetishist you know and I mean it that in the pure sense where the object gives you sexual pleasure right you gotta have a costume yeah you know, if it. you are, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be rubber. It can't be vinyl, or it's right. gotta be vinyl. It can't be rubber. It's whatever. Be leather, it can't be anything else. Right. You right. know, um, the good thing about costuming is that I feel that it can inspire you. Uh, conscious because I think that so much about BDSM and kink in the public community is about financial access to stuff. Right. I try to stress to people: you do not need to run out and buy stuff. Right. Right. You absolutely right. don't. However, if taking a bandana 
and putting it into your mouth and pretending it's a horsey bit and taking a couple of bits of rope and looping them over your head so that now you can pretend you're a pony, if that helps you to get into that headspace, then fucking do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to have seven or eight hundred bucks to buy a head and ears and a special butt plug. Those things are nice, but you don't have to have them. Right. Um, Costuming is great because I know that for me, it's a touchstone. It helps me to remember where I am. So if I'm in the middle of a scene, I start to float away. I'm like, wait a second. Huh. I'm dressed like I have these ears. I have this thing in my mouth. Right, pony. You know, and that sort of grounds me in whatever I am doing. Plus, sometimes the visual arousal, the visual stimulation of having someone in an outfit or wearing an item that really turns you on is really beneficial to the rest of the scene. You know, if if someone is, uh, you know, for me, for example... Uh, single tail whips are a big fucking deal because I tell you the first time I saw a word of single tail whip being used was watching Roots mm. and so I have a very visceral reaction when I hear them and initially it was not good it was, sure. it was not a good reaction uh, I can now take a step back and say wow that's a very strong reaction it's not the most positive reaction can I use that reaction especially if I'm doing a scene that involves terror or fear yeah and I tell the person I'm playing with, if you crack a fucking bullwhip behind my head, a lot happens. You know, I remember going to a dungeon and seeing all these women like writhing and moaning, all these submissions like, oh my God, I get so turned on. I can come just from listening to whip. I'm like, really? Because I just think of Kunta Kente. Mm. <laughs> Needle off the record. Suddenly <laughs> everyone's like, buzzkill mall. I'm like, well, that's my fucking truth. So yeah. step to me if you don't like it. Really? Really? And so that idea of having a thing or an object or an item that really puts you in that place is fantastic you know um costuming was what allowed me to even access doing what to me seemed like the furthest out role play which is animal role play yeah which is a thing that i at first when i first heard about it many years ago when i was in high school i remember seeing this thing about like pony girls or where these all these pornographic cartoons sure and i was like okay i can see where it's yet another thing where men just want women to not be human Right. So fuck you with your oppressive shit. And the truth, of course, just with all all of this stuff is yes and. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had sort of just dismissed it. I didn't really get it. And then when I got involved in kink, I had a couple of friends who were pony people. And they looked adorable. Yeah. And they were obviously having so much fun with it. And I was like, well, they seem to like it. And then you hear about furries, and you're like, okay, so now they're wearing... The thing about furries that, com- that baffled me, the only thing is, how do they stand being so sweaty? <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god, you're, you're just hot all the time, aren't you sweating? Like, that was my big obsession. It's the first thing I ask. What about the sweat? <laughs> That's how I feel about latex body oh my suits, god. actually. Yeah. So, I was, so I'm thinking, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. And then I was at... Uh, back in San Francisco, they had the fetish flea, which would happen mm-hmm. at the time, I think, quarterly. Yeah. Or, or yeah, quarterly, I think it was. At the Citadel, right? Lady Thorne. Uh, Before it was at the Citadel, it was at the Women's Building. And before Mm. it was at the Women's Building, it was somewhere else that I can't remember. Castle Bar, I think. Mm. Back when Castle Bar was still around. Uh, And so you go in, and it's this amazing wonderland with all this stuff. And I'm walking by this one booth, and they have these gorgeous pony outfits. And, of course, as an actor, I'm like, look at this costuming. Yeah. And, of course, as a poor person, I'm like, look at the price tag. Right. Intersectionality, actor, poor person. And so a friend of mine comes up and she's like, oh, you would look so good in this, and picks up this thing. It's just, it's, it was unusual. Still have never seen one like it. It was a 
uh, 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 what is that stuff? Not leather, but suede. Ah, suede. It's a suede pony mask, like a half pony mask with these ears. And it was almost exactly my skin color. And so I was like, God, oh, that's really weird. And it had this like blonde mane. And I was like, ugh. And she's like, try it on, try it on, try it on. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. And of course, then the vendor's like, oh, Mo, you got to try it on, try it on. <laughs> and because I'm not at all an attention whore, I was like, okay, fine. A pony, <laughs> peer, that pony peer pressure will get you So I put on the fucking head thing and I'm standing there and I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. And I'm thinking this would be a great piece if you did Kinky Midsummer Night's Dream. Yes. How kick-ass would that be if suddenly Titania is riding bottom around in a pony play scene, right? And then that would be where your mind goes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super hot. Remind me someday to tell you about my BDSM take on Taming of the Shrew that I'm going to fucking do. I can't wait. It's going to be so rad. So my friend then takes the reins, throws them over my head, and jumps on my back. Now, mind you, she's a tiny little woman. Yeah. And I have a big butt. So she just, like, climbs on. Because she's used to actually riding actual horses, so she can climb on anything. <laughs> and it's like kicking me in the fucking, like, sh- 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 not sh- yeah, in the shins, kicking yeah. my shins, going like, whatever. And I'm like, what? And I'm standing there like, are you kidding me? This is the, but of course, I'm, I'm a game person, so I said fine. So I start walking around the flea with this chick on my back and this pony head on. And the first thing that happens is someone walks up to us. And says, oh, what a pretty pony. Oh, I bet you did make a very pretty pony. And pets me. Here's the thing. You don't touch me without permission. Right. And so my first reaction was, who the fuck? Like, I was ready to kick this person. I was like, are you serious? Now, my experience in the scene was not a lot about harassment. People never, like, I know that this is a reality for a lot of people. Is that they get touched and groped and fondled and, and horrible things happen to them. My experience has not been like that. I had not had anyone lay hands on me non-consensually ever. Yeah. Since then, even in like the past 18 years, maybe twice. Yeah. So to have someone walk up, someone who I knew peripherally, and start touching me was shocking. And I was so shocked that I didn't say anything. Because I was like, oh my God, how dare you? And then... And then my friend is on my back says, oh my God, isn't she pretty? And she's like, she's like, say hi, princess. And starts jerking on my halter. And I'm like, <laughs> And then someone else goes, like, goes, oh my God, I didn't know Mo did pony play. And suddenly there's like 10 people gathered around, like petting me. Someone takes like a, a, a fucking like snack bar out of their purse. And they're like, can I give her a treat? And my friend's like, yeah, she loves treats. And I don't even know what it was. It was like, it, and I, it was some sort of like peanut butter bar. I hate peanut butter. I hate it. But she puts it in front of me, and I'm like, sniff, 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 and then I start eating it, and they were like, oh, how precious. And then I'm walking around some more, and by the end, it was maybe half an hour I spent just walking around. I was high. Yeah. I was high as fuck. And I was like, I didn't have to do anything. And I got all the attention (laughs) ever. I got the pets. I got the snacks. I got to, like be useful. I was riding my friend around the, the thing. 
and I was pretty, and I got, like, by the end, I'm, like, prancing around, and fucking, like, tossing my mane, and neighing, and, like, how old are you? I'm, like, stomp, stomp, stomp. <laughs> and I was, like, this was the coolest thing ever. And then, of course, of course, I shelved it for the next decade. Sure. Because I was, like, that's just too ridiculous. I can't, I can't. I can give other people permission to be ponies, but I couldn't allow myself to do that. Um, and I got to the point where I felt so guilty about it. At one time, like someone else, a friend of mine had bought this pony thing and I was like, I want that so bad. And I agonized over it. And then after a week I said, you are a pervert. You teach internationally. Yeah. And you are sitting here feeling bad about wanting to be a pony. What the fuck is wrong with you? Go buy that. At the time I had like a really great job. So I was like, buy the fucking gear, buy it. And I was like, I hear and obey. So I bought this little head thing. You know, I had a gift certificate from Mr. S. And Mr. S had to stay on these little rubber hooves. So I got those for like only $40. And, you know, finally put together a basic but really cute little pony outfit. And then I had to like tell people that I wanted to do it. And then, you know, of course, because my life is hilarious. The first public pony scene I do is with Rebecca Wilcox, who wrote The Human Pony. Right. In Sweden, at a New Year's Eve party, which was a performance for this huge Swedish fetish ball, and that was my first public pony scene, you know. And it go was big or go home. Fucking rad! I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I realized for myself, I said, "Wow, here's a, here's something that's so simple yeah. that even I had a hard time saying to my giving myself permission for." And so I said, okay, because it was so weird, because it was so hard, I will now be public about my I'm like, hey, pony, pony stuff, pony, pony. Isn't it amazing also how the more absurd, once you're in the zone, if you will, Mm -hmm. the more absurd you can get with your free association with the character, with the scenario, Mm -hmm. with the dynamic, the hotter it is. Yes. Like right up until the point of orgasm and then you, you know, you come, you both come and then you're like, wow, I was just... Free, free associating with whatever Mr. Ed, My Little Pony, like any possible thing that you could, like even what you were just saying with like stomping your foot three times, right? It's like the once once you're once you're in that context, it all of a sudden becomes a turn on yeah. to say something that somebody else recognizes the reference or recognizes what you're going for. Uh, it's it's extraordinary. It's one of the things I love about dirty talk, and it's one of the things that I love about how. All of a sudden, you know, a, a, a statement completely out of context within a role play mm-hmm. can be the hottest thing you've ever heard. Yeah, and yeah. then it might be hot the next time, or it might it might be. The only I might feel like I will never say that again. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the more you give yourself into what seems absurd, right, and out there, the more satisfying it becomes. You know, I haven't done a lot of pony play, but the scenes that I've done, each and every time, I've been shocked at how far at, into the character I get and how easily. Yeah. You know, and then I, and then the, 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 the converse is then I forget that like, yeah, no, you need aftercare and you need to come back because if you're, I mean, I went to Folsom as, as a pony and then I had to go and perform later that night and I was literally wandering around Oakland cause I had some time to kill thinking I should eat. Someone should feed me. <laughs> I need to. I'm hungry. Like I couldn't I even need walk. A carrot. I couldn't even walk into a diner because I was waiting for someone to feed me. Right. Ponies don't walk into diners. And then I was like, Oh no, you have to go and do this. And I was like, Okay. You know that that coming back process. 
was piecemeal and was hilarious because in retrospect, I was like, that's what was happening is that you were not used to being responsible for yourself, Melina anymore. Yeah. Well, it's like what we were saying earlier about, about aftercare is that that's part of what we can do for one another is whatever way we do it to like guide each other slowly Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. being like, I'm not a pirate. (laughs) You're not my wench. Everything's, we're egalitarian. (laughs) Remember? Remember? See, this is the ice cream you like. I think it's part and you're of like, reason, oh yeah. I think it's part of the reason that people use costuming, right? Is because when you the costume, the costume is on, right? Seen on. When the costume is off, you have that as a marker. It doesn't mean that you're going to snap back into reality, but it but helps. It, yes, it does yeah. help you to, to have a, a, a wax on, sort of wax off kind mm. of thing. Um, that's another thing that I wanted to, to to touch on is that you know sometimes you do a role play and that's it, mm-hmm. and sometimes the role play introduces you introduce yourself to a character inside yourself that yeah. you want to return to yes and so for some people a role play is a matter of an ongoing scenario or an ongoing character that you know maybe you put on the plaid skirt and you're that schoolgirl again and you're right back like in last time on kinky schoolgirl bedroom time. It's, it's part of the it's part of the difference, I think, between role with a capital R and role with a small R, right? Right. If I have a role in my life as a slave, am I playing a slave? No. I'm owned by that person. Right. Does that mean that I would call the person who owns me master in the supermarket? I probably wouldn't want that attention drawn to me. A. B. It's my personal ethic that I do not involve non-consensual bystanders right. in my BDSM. Uh... Can I have words that my partner knows mean the same thing? Right. Absolutely. You know, if I call my partner Mr. X, they know that that is as formal to me as calling them master, for right. example. You know, um, the in the dynamic I'm working in right now, we have this kind of delightful daddy-girl thing happening. And we oh, were good. That's with, the that's the yeah. that's the the punchline of that story. That's good. That's good. We, you you went there. You went there. That's good. Yes. And so what's, <laughs> what's so cool about it is that we will refer to each other as daddy and and girl in conversation. That does not stop. Right. That is that role of the benign paternal dictator is hot for me, and so I do not want to leave it at the door. Yeah. You know. Um, so that role is a role that I embrace and that encircles the dynamic of our relationship. So it is not on and off right? in terms of how it is shared with other people. It's on and off, but that's because, you know, I want to be respectful. It does not mean in my heart, I stop being, you know, the, 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 the part of me that is the little girl, the inner child, as you will, yeah. you know, yeah. but what's cool about meta role play, which is what I, I, how I refer to those things where the role is not just a role you assume it is a role you, you, you have subsumed and now you're bringing out, you know, because we all have those facets within us. We all have that desire to be dominated or to dominate. We have that, you know, Absolutely. or both all or all, all at once, whatever. But the thing is about that is that you can take that part of yourself and engage that with another person. And that's so badass because you don't have to pretend, you know, I know for me, the idea of being able to be that vulnerable little kid is so much of a relief. You don't get that in the, in the, in the default world. No, no one's going to be your fucking daddy and tell you to finish your vegetables. Right. 
But when you're like, I don't want to go to the dentist. I don't want the triple root canal. And daddy's like, if you're a good little girl, you go to the dentist and you'll make daddy very proud. And suddenly, like, everything chills out. And I'm like, okay, daddy, I will be a good girl and I will go to the dentist. And I do my grown-up shit. Right. Because that role that we have both acknowledged works for both of us. That dynamic feeds something in me that needs some fucking food. And you're the person, you're the grown-up adult with agency mm-hmm. that asked, that that gave that person mm-hmm. permission to be the one to say, you go to the dentist and make daddy proud. Right. Right. So in a way, you're really being your own daddy. You're just, <laughs> you're just <laughs> projecting it on, back onto, onto that person. And that's what, that's what, I think that that is what, um, the good thing about power exchange dynamics is, is that in all sides of the dynamic, the other person is getting a need met based on giving permission and receiving permission. Right. You know, and that's the thing about being in service to someone that people are like, oh, well, you know, it's all about the dominant. I'm like, no, no. Dominant needs someone to serve them in order to be dominant. I can serve anybody. Right. I can serve a cause. I can serve a mission. I can serve the world. I do community service. Right. Teaching is a service, you know, telling stories is a service. But what's great about having a dynamic in place is that the dominant's able to say, I've created a place where your service is valued and I see it and I acknowledge it and I respect it. And that is a yin yang ebb and flow kind of fucking thing. And it's great for everyone when it happens because in a consensual situation, everyone's engaged and everyone's feeling good. At the end of the day, everyone goes back to their corner saying, Ooh, look how much better my life is for having this person in it. Yeah. You know, that's what's so fucking kick ass about it. And if you can do that in the context of meta role plays, right, where you are living in that role because it's what really turns you on and what really fuels you, that's a gift for all the people involved because then you can bring out this thing that doesn't necessarily get to come out. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could sit in your office and pretend to be daddy of all of your department, but that'd be kind of weird. Yeah. I think for the people who weren't there, um, or you can just do it and not tell people. Every time I've been an executive admin, I've had all kinds of terrible fantasies about <laughs> the people I've been <laughs> I've been working for. But, you know, those are my private fantasies. Yeah. They do not need to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well what are what are some of um what are some of your favorite role plays? Uh ooh, yeah. Uh I will say that definitely the um the, the daddy girl thing is pretty heady for me because I always had seen an example of age play <clears throat> and I'll put this under the realm of age play. I've always seen examples of age play that didn't speak to me because I did not want to talk and baby talk and wear roughly shit. Right. Um, I went to a school for quote unquote gifted kids. I started working in film and TV when I was five. So I was always treated as an adult. Right. From when I was very small. And so the idea of this innocent childhood where coloring was all you did that day is alien to me. So it wasn't until someone said, you know, you can be the kid you were. Right. And just change the context of what you're doing as that kid. And I was like, yeah, the kid I was wanted to fuck when she was five. Like when I found out what sex was, I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) I have to wait Oh, that's forever. Like telling a five-year-old they have to wait till they're married. It's like, are you kidding me? 
that's just not, I was like, I'm not going to wait. I know already that that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So to be able to have a role play in which precocious me, who is able to carry on a conversation intelligently with any grown up, is also able to say, well, I would like you to do this other thing, daddy. <laughs> you know, is, is super fucked up. So the fucked upness appeals to me because I'm like, wow, this is, this is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I am not five. Right. I am in fact 44. This is consensual because this is actually uh, not my dad. Right. And uh, the situation has never happened and cannot ever happen and will not ever happen. However, the emotional reality of it is so juicy and I love being able to dip into that. And this is the second relationship I've had where that sort of very dark role play exploration has happened. So I'm a little bit better at like raising my hand and saying, okay, this is what I would like to do. Thank you. <laughs> okay, please. Can I, uh, all right. You know, where I'm sitting there just like so super embarrassed going, oh my God, they're going to think I'm the most fucked up person ever. But I've lucked out in the two people I brought this up with. They were like, uh, great. It's amazing also how much of an actor you are obviously one it's this being a podcast we can't see but your entire body language changes when you're like even giving an example of being a little girl you start fiddling with your dress like every time you've done it you fiddle with your dress in the exact same way and then you're back to being Melina where you're like gesticulating in the air and so and people people get that right it's it's very easy for people to read me when I shift states, yeah, you know, and so that type of role play is great because it's liberating and it's real. Yeah. I can remember what I felt like when I was 5, 10, 15, 13, 12, whatever. Yeah. And so to bring that to the present day and say, how would that person react in this situation is really hot. So I really love that. Um, the, the, uh, uh, trying to think of the other ones that I really enjoy. I, I do so love the pony and animal stuff. You know, and I'm always so amazed at how beautifully it works. And it's funny because what I still have not done, and let me tell you, you thought it took me a while to say, I want to be a pony. It took me as long. And then even after it came out, I was wanting to do pony stuff another few years before I was able to say, and I would like to have sex <laughs> while I'm a pony. Mm. And let me tell you, among a lot of pony play people, same way with a lot of age play people, you do not bring sex into that play. It is not okay. Interesting. And so I had heard so much anti-sexuality around age play and around pony play that... um, You're like, pony wants to fuck. I know. I was like, would someone please fuck the pony? So (laughs) I (laughs) I had a friend who I had this... I'll never forget, I was on BART. I was still living in in San Francisco, and I had this long text conversation where we were negotiating doing a pony play scene, and she um, actually is a a horsewoman, so she's very accustomed to, grew up around horses. And so I was like, oh, that's great, so this will be really cool for you, blah, blah, going back and forth. And I made some comment about, you know, whether or not I should wear underwear when we're doing the scene, and finally I was like, because, you know, it would be kind of cool... Maybe I'm like, I'm sure that probably this is too weird or too out there, but haha, wouldn't it be kind of funny if, you know, the pony got a carrot in the other end <laughs> and she said, oh my gosh, I've always been curious about that. Tee hee hee. And I'm like, tee hee hee. 
<laughs> like this entire time, but we found this somewhere. Like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna totally do this, like you know, vet inspection scene, mm. and there's gonna be all kinds of probing and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so awesome. And we went, and we were at a, a camp event, and we're outside, and I'm trotting around and doing all this stuff. And she had this like inflatable dildo and all this stuff. It's gonna be so great. And we did this scene, and it was awesome. But there was no pony fucking. And I didn't think about it, really, in terms of a loss. But then at the end of the scene, when I was coming back down, I said, oh, I, we didn't play with the tilto stuff. And she looked at me kind of sheepishly and said, ah, sheepishly, see what I did there? Yeah. And she <laughs> said, I couldn't do it. Wow. She I said, you just the pony. She said, you just reminded me too much of this pony I had when I was, you know, like the first pony that was like my pony at camp. And... She was so in the headspace yeah. of caretaking for an animal uh, that it, it just didn't happen for her organically. Lena, you're too convincing of a pony. Cool. And on the one hand, I'm like, well, cool me. Uh, on the oh, other yeah. hand, I was like, ah, oh, pony still goes unfucked. <laughs> <laughs> and that scene especially, that was one of those scenes where I really fully understood the power of that kind of role play because later that night... I was taking a shower and I went to wash my hair and there were these little like burrs yeah. in my hair. And I was like, how the fuck did these burrs get in my hair? And I had to rewind back through the scene and I said, oh my God, I rolled on the ground. Now let us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. pause and so that you can fully understand i grew up here in new york city right rolling in the dirt is not in the dirt i don't even picnic in central park unless there is a blanket with a perimeter of three sheets around it so that i can see the ants coming so that they may die a horrible death before they get to my tender flesh right i'm not a the, no no yeah i don't walk barefoot in the grass because i don't trust grass right and so when I came to with burrs in my hair, I was like, how the fuck did that even happen? So I, I, I spoke to my friend later and I said, I rolled in the grass. She said, yeah, you did. Because I told you to roll. It's time for you to roll. <laughs> and I was like, I rolled in the grass. Like, that's how much I was in that headspace. It's, it's, I mean... That doesn't happen in normal life. You don't forget stuff that's core to your identity, like grass and rolling in it. Oh, it's probably good for you. But at the time, I was just like, oh, so good. I've been (sighs) running around so much, all I can do is roll on the grass. Little, like, hooves up in the air, like, this is awesome. (laughs) May I have another biscuit? Like that was my whole existence in yeah. that moment. It reminds me of the the first time that I I went to um, the the Eagle here in New York, mm-hmm. and I um, and it was puppy night. Puppies, puppies. Who doesn't love puppies? <laughs> and it was sort of. I mean, obviously, I uh, obviously not obviously. I'm familiar with puppy play, mm-hmm. 
um, and had like maybe witnessed from far some puppy scenes um, or like uh, you know participated or known some some puppies but in the eagle which is a leather bar um, with you know everybody just doing their bar thing doing you know talking to people drinking beers and there are like half a dozen men running around on the ground being puppies and coming up to you and like they're so in it that it doesn't even it didn't even occur to me to react to this man on his you know running around on all fours in any other way than I would react to a friendly puppy in a bar right. who was coming up to me and being like you know, and I'm just like, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. <laughs> and like rubbing him, and of course he's reacting like, yes, yes, yes. oh, yes, you know, such a good dog, and patting him on the rump and all these things. And he just loved <laughs> it. And then he ran away, you know, and it's he, I know nothing about this this person, but like, clearly being able to embody being a puppy and having people, getting the reaction out of people. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even think to myself, oh god, oh, this now is, I have oh, to go and do this thing with this guy. Yeah, nope. or like, I, or the, uh, oh, should I react to this man-dog in a way that I would react differently to a dog? There was just something about the dynamic that would, like, you know, this person is a perfect stranger to me. Yeah. I'm reacting to him the way that I would to a friendly dog, and it was, and it, something clicked in my mind about, right. about puppy You're just like, night. hey, you know what? That might not be a cis dog, but I'm going to respect. <laughs> Gonna respect his trans dog status. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I can I can imagine I can imagine the pony thing too. It's so fucking badass. You know the other thing that's really hilarious is that like I identify as sexually bi, uh, sexually bisexual, sexually queer sexual, sexually a- just sexual. You know <laughs> I hate to say bisexual because I'm like well there's just is the, the more than two. It's more than two and there's so many so I'm just sex sexual. I'm people sexual. Sure. Right. Um, I get attracted to certain people. My pony, though, is a big old dyke. Has no interest in guys at all. And not just that. Like, they have to be, like, cute little perky chicks. Who the fuck knows what that's about? Well, right. I mean, it's so interesting when you go into a, you go into a persona and you spend time as the persona and you learn things about the persona that you're like, I didn't, I didn't choose this. I didn't no. sit down and say, okay. This character in this improv is going to have, you know, like, this orientation right, right. and this background and, like, this kind of biscuit, you know? It's just, it, it just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's magic. And so that's super, that's just so rad. And the fact that I'm able to really get into that in a way that feels seamless yeah. is fantastic, you know? And it's entirely 180 degrees from the filthy transgression that I feel when I do the daddy girl stuff because right. that just feels dirty and terrible. Yeah. Ugh, so in the best way. In the best possible way. Are you there know? other 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 role plays that you've done that you've really loved? Um, the... I will say that I've loved in ways that have been um, challenging are, are the role plays that I've done around uh, racial stuff. Yeah. Um, the... I guess it's role play. I did for my uh, fantasy for international Miss Leather when I ran for that contest. The and won. I did, yes. And served. <laughs> and served for it a was, uh, 2010. 2010, yes. Uh, after after being Miss San Francisco Leather in 2009. And the 
fantasy part, which basically you have to do a little skit. I mean, there's no right. other way to describe it except you have to do a skit. Right, it's a skit. And so my skit was uh, pretty much a, uh, a, a, a an interpretive dance about the... Uh, What's the word when you rec- uh, reclamation mm. of the sort of mammy right dyna- the mammy persona, you know? And actually, uh, I have a link on my on my um, website to an illegal video that my bro Q took of the fantasy. And thank you for Q because otherwise it would have been lost to history because of the twice it was performed, neither time were the official video tapes taping. Oh my god. So Q's, the tapes were like, this is too edgy for me. Cue's, uh, cues, uh, camera phone footage is all that exists. But in short, basically I came out in this completely traditional, like floor length white, you know, skirt with a poofy white shirt sure. and the head rag and the mammy thing, you know, chained to these shackles. And I'll never forget like the gasps that go up from the audience when I come out. Cause people, first of all, you know what that means. Oh Yeah. And no one feels super great about it. And they know what it means for you to be doing it. Or, or they don't, actually, I guess is really they, what it is. A lot of people know. Some people think they know. And then some people are just, they're aware it's transgressive. They're aware that for me, as, as the person I am today, to assume that role is problematic. Yeah. So no matter what you're thinking, that's a role that is, is a difficult one to embody. Yeah. And then the music that I chose was a beautiful rendition of Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is pretty much the Black National Anthem. Right. Very powerful among African-American people. And so that starts. And then people who know what the song is, they're, now they're completely baffled and, and on the edge of upset. You know, and so the dance basically was about my, you know, freeing myself from these chains and then doing what then becomes this sassy burlesque. Nice. Of stripping off the head rag and flinging off the blouse and unwrapping the skirt. And underneath it, I'm wearing this leopard print push-up bra and this latex skirt. Oh, my God. Amazing. And people are, like, screaming and freaking out. Like, as it goes, they start to get it. And then the last act, like, as the music, like, comes to this climax, is, like, pick back up the shackles and put them back on with this, like, you know, power fist salute. And people are like, ah! You know, because what that to me the whole point of it for me was here's a role that was forced on me that is still forced on me today yeah you don't see that this is how i'm seen but this is the reality of my life so okay i'm going to deconstruct it and then make it my own yeah and that what that's to me what's so powerful about doing play around race is that i can take the slurs and the insults and the deprecation and the horror and say, I acknowledge it because I still live it. But it is not the boss of me as I live today. And <clears throat> again, that's a meta role thing. That's a larger concept that is not necessarily easy to tease out from daily life because it is daily life for God's sake. But then I can say, okay, fine. I get it. I am the fat black mammy. I see what you're doing here. But you know what? I am also sexy and I'm a sexual creature and I'm going to use that against you and for myself relating it to roles that role is one like i said that has certainly been applied to people who look like me for hundreds of years in this country um to an extent desexualized uh or hypersexualized whatever that is wherever you want to place that in that continuum 
I love doing that kind of play. Um, and actually, I, I know that people refer to play as play, but some of the people also refer to play as work. I love doing that kind of work mm -hmm. because to me, it feels empowering. And to me, it enables me to look at those images and say, those were women like me. I don't need to distance myself from that imagery. I don't need to other that. I don't need to say, this is a shameful thing. I'm like, they were me. That's me. Ooh. There's no... There's no gap aside from time. These were women who were as intelligent and as fierce and as powerful as I am and living in different circumstances. And so that enabled me to see the role of black women in this country as mine. And we don't get to own much. And so owning that to me was very powerful. And the fact that I still get people, and this was, what, three years ago now? Four years ago. Who still come up to me and were like, I saw you do that at, you know, SF Leather. I saw you do that at IMSL. You know, this is one, one, one so great. These, like, three huge, hard, hard dykes came up to me, like, with tears in their eyes. And they were like, yeah, your fantasy really was moving. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> Nice. And another friend of mine told me that she was with these, like, these, like, jaded old queens who were sitting in the back with tears running down their face because they got it. And this was, for example, like, several of these men were men who were in their uh, 50s and 60s. So, generationally, yeah. you're looking at them having a different relationship to what oppression looks like yeah. versus younger gay men, you know. And so people saw it and made it their own in a way in a way that I think is fantastic because that's what performance is fucking about. It's what roles play is about. It's about taking something that isn't yours and finding out where you live in it. And so for me, that type of role play is great because it enables me to say, I will never know what it's like to actually be a chattel property in the antebellum South in the U S can I do a scene where someone is treating me that way and get like three breaths of what it might have felt like just sort of coasting through my genes yes and that is uh that's that's actual magic that's you know what 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 um conjuring spirits is about and that's what role play does is that you are pulling up spirit and energy that doesn't exist in the current state and you make it happen you know, and so if I pretend to be the runaway slave and I have someone like yank me by the hair and throw me down and beat me as punishment, I get to walk away from that. The reality is people who looked like me did not. And people who were my ancestors did not. And so for me to be able to explore that in a relatively safe environment is an incredible honor. And I, and I respect that type of role play because it is very profound. Uh, and so when I say I enjoy, I, I don't use words like enjoy and like, mm -hmm. and for me personally, and this is my opinion and I do, I'm doing my little disclaimer dance. <laughs> Those people who have seen my classes, I have a thing that I do where I establish that if I'm saying something that I believe very strongly, but it's just my opinion, here's my little dance. So, you know, to take it with a grain of salt, da, 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 da. you know, um, I have a hard time with people who do that type of play as a lark. Yeah. Um, people who are just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do a lynching scene. It's going to be super awesome. You guys, um, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. You know, oh my God, I just got this great Nazi uniform. I'm like, oh dear. 
okay, um, okay, okay. Look, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, you know, and I understand that we have this whole laissez-faire, your kink is okay sort of atmosphere, and I personally very strongly feel like, no, there are some things that are very emotionally charged and deep, and there are wounds to the psyche of humanity, and if you're going to go fucking around in there, you had better be fucking serious. And I believe that very strongly. Disclaimer dance. Disclaimer dance. You know, and of course, do what you want to do. But if you do that in front of me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna question you. Yeah, I'm gonna question that because I, uh, I feel like you should know what sort of energy you're pulling up, and especially if you're doing it in public. If you're doing it in the public community, you're the local dungeon, and you march in there in your Nazi uniform, think because it's cool because you can. Uh uh-uh. uh you are, you are, you are, you are conjuring ghosts. Yeah, and you might not be ready for the energy that you unleash. There are also, there are so many different, I feel like a lot of role plays can be reduced down to fundamental scenarios and fundamental archetypes Mm -hmm. in the characters. And, um, you know, maybe if you think that you want to do an Auschwitz role play, that maybe you should just like do a little bit of, of like non-consensual, just basic non-consensual stuff first like maybe some right. light serial killer play before you you move right. on to to nazi torture yeah. play you know but because all, all of these all, i guess what i'm trying to say is that a lot of them have to do with the fundamental dynamics of 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 what of consent and non-consent mm-hmm. of um you know the power of, loss of and power and seduction and um mm-hmm. All of these, all of these, and that that goes back to the the meta question of your series, which is why. Yeah, why? If you are going to do something that is d- deeply edgy and that has representational markers that are challenging, why is your desire? And I've seen this happen in the scene, in the king scene especially, where people are like, I just want to squick the room. You know, I want to, I want to see people react, and I think that that's poor, poor, poor manners. Poor, yeah, poor form. You know, I think that that's not cool. I think that if you absolutely need to see that swastika in order for you to have that visceral reaction, I get it. However, consider your surroundings. Consider the whys. Well, it's like what you were talking about, about calling somebody daddy in the grocery store. (laughs) Because there are certain things in a dungeon that you are expecting to be exposed to when you're there. And there are some things that reasonably you should expect to not have to see today like a swastika correct yeah and so i you know again when i when i talk to people about role play stuff and i say consider your audience and consider if your reason for performing this in front of that audience is to stun or shock them yeah and have they given consent to be a part of your scene in that way. They have consented to bear witness because they're, they're at that event, but only to a certain extent. Right. You know, um, I, I, it's I, also a little selfish because it's like, don't pay attention to your scene, pay attention to my scene. Right, right, right. Me, me, me. You know, and I, 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 I will say, you know, a, a, as I say this, that I will turn around and tell on myself, well, I broke my own rule and did a, a role play that was specifically politically motivated because I have an issue, long-term issue, with people holding slave auctions at kink events. Not that I think it's bad, but I think it's unexamined. And um, you're not actually auctioning off slaves. Right. You're having a scene auction, 
a top bottom auction. Call it that. Yeah. A slave auction has a very specific connotation. Yeah. And it's a horrible one. Yeah. And I've had this discussion over the years with lots of different people, and generally the reaction has been, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, great. Look now, at your privilege. And now you, now now you, you have. Are. Now you are. Now you and have heard that there are some of us who are saying, you know, c- can you consider this? Is it so, is, is, is your calling it a slave auction more important than the fact that the history that you're talking about is kind of grim? Just a little, you know. And I've had a bunch of different event promoters say, hey, wow, okay. And now call them top bottom auctions or whatever. And then some people who've said, fuck you, well, we don't care and continue to call them slave auctions. And I was at the latter such event at one point, and I was kind of annoyed. They were like standing there like, oh, the slave auction, the slave auction. And I turned to a table full of other presenters, and I said, that's shit. You know, she said, you know what I've always wanted to do is I've always wanted to be like, oh, you want a slave auction? Let's have one. Let's do this. And a friend of mine looks up and says, oh, I'm uh, the auctioneer tonight. What, do you, what did you have in mind? <laughs> And then a bunch of other friends were like, oh, can we help? Can we help? And so finally we had a whole scenario, right? And so in the middle of this pavilion where there were like a couple hundred people gathered for the top bottom auction and people are standing up there and, you know, they're like, oh, the next person be auctioned off. And this little girl gets up with her little like skirt and she's showing her ass and another top gets up and he's all like, look at my dominant dominus. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Like about halfway through the the auction, you hear me at the back of the pavilion screaming, "No mass, I saw Please don't sell me down the river, sauce. And people are like, "This slow take, like <laughs> what the fuck is happening?" And so I had you know a friend of mine do this like you know terrible sloppy tie, and he's dragging me up, and another friend of mine is up there with her little floppy straw hat. And her long skirt, and she's like, well, this is my slave, and I've been trying so hard to keep her under control, and she just won't. In the meantime, like, you know, my other friend is, like, pulling my mouth open, like, you know, the auctioneer is like, you know, come inspect her teeth. And the audience is like, the air had been sucked out of the entire campsite. Like, just dead fucking silence. And then the DJ, bless his heart, and I do not know why... This motherfucker had some fucking Negro spirituals on his goddamn iPod, like throws down some like, you know, Mahalia Jackson starts coming through the speakers and I'm like crawling away from them and they're kicking me and pulling me back and no one's bidding. And so finally I was like, and then, then my, my brain is like, None of these motherfuckers are going to bid. This is going to be so embarrassing. So I'm like, what's the exit strategy? So in my head, I'm like, you know trying to figure out how we're going to resolve this. And then someone did start bidding and then the bidding happened and someone did finally win. And this guy comes up and does a few minutes of negotiation with my friend. Cause that's what we agreed on. We said, you can, here's what we're going to agree to that they can do, you know, right. An impact play scene with the following instruments, whatever. So this guy grabs me by the hair, like yanks me out to this bench. Right. Can I ask if this guy's white? Yes. Yeah. Drives me out to this bench right next to the pavilion so people can still see in here while the auction is still going on. And like yanks my hair back and goes, are you cool? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, great. Then he bends me over, like ties me to this bench and goes, I am so disappointed in you. Have I not been a good master? Have I not shown you the same kindness that I show my other slaves? Do I, did I not give you Christmas off? 
to see your family. And I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome! So he proceeds to beat the shit out of me doing this whole calm and evil thing the whole time. Meanwhile, I'm screaming, crying. Everyone can still see and hear all this going on through the rest of the auction, right? And this is great. After we did our scene, he's like, whoa, are you cool? I'm like, yeah, that was great. He goes, oh my god, I've never done anything like that. And I said, you did so good. He goes, well, I am an actor. I'm like, oh my god, me too. So we have this whole great connection. He was really great. We're to this day still friends. And, um... Well, the, he was he was game. You yes, know. he saw he saw he got it. What you what you were doing, and and he also recognized that everybody was too paralyzed with you know all of a sudden being he got called what was out. Happening. And he also, which I had a great deal of respect for later, did the scene right there. He yeah. didn't have to. Yeah, and I appreciated the fact that he was willing to continue the continue the performance. Yeah. And what was great about it was that people were really pissed off. People were really angry. They were like, how dare you do that? I was like, how dare I do what? How, how, how dare I do a scene at a kink event? No, no, that's not. Oh, how dare I do a slave auction scene at a, at a slave, slave auction? auction? Well, I didn't. Okay, so what did you expect? And so the fact that people were so riled up about it was perfect. And so I said, look, I know you didn't expect it. This was a bit of a boundary push. It was a boundary push for me. But the fact is that contextually, you asked for it. You gave permission by hosting a thing that was called a fucking slave auction. And therefore, I stepped up to the plate and brought you a slave auction. Nothing even close to the horror. I said, it would have been really terrible if I had a kid ripped out of my arms crying. How about that? How about that? Or four kids and a husband. That's what we're talking about when you do your little fucking game. Now will you please fucking think? And I'm hoping that in the next 20 years, no one will call these things slave auctions. People will have some awareness that you are invoking energy that is shitty energy. Yeah. You know, and if you're doing it on purpose, if it is aware and it is deliberate then more power to you. That's what really what we're getting at with all of this, isn't it? Is mm-hmm. like being playing with fire and being like, "What is this? Is it fire? You see fire? <laughs> you see fire? I just see like I just see whatever like that. I feel I'm playing a video game, and you're yeah. like, no, this is real shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what is so remarkable about role play because that was not that was not an expensive scene to produce. Yeah. I lost a T-shirt in the fray. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the emotional impact, it was pretty profound. And it didn't take a lot uh, uh, in terms of, in terms of um, what we actually did and in terms of time. But in terms of impact, it was very profound. Because the words and the energy and the staging and, and the reality is this is shit that actually happened. And that's the thing, is that when you're doing role play that involves who you actually are, that energy is really very real. And I have certainly experienced that in my role play, in in times when I have actually genuinely felt afraid, or or genuinely been outraged, or angry, or, 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 or trapped, or hopeless, you know, or empowered and fierce. All those things have been really true. In that moment. Well, that's the the magic of it when you really 
get into it and you look into the face of your your friend or your lover or your partner or whoever and they're gone yeah and they're the butler or the slave driver or the pirate or the vampire or mm-hmm. the daddy or the principal or whoever they are and then you realize that when they look at you they're also seeing somebody else mm-hmm. and as humans were capable of that yep. so why not play with it because it's awesome it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for sharing Dude. all of those stories yeah thank you um and is there anything in closing that you want to say that you feel like and in not... conclusion in conclusion everybody go buy uh, a plaid skirt <laughs> <laughs> go for it maybe save the swastikas I for think, later on I know that's that's 301 level shit I think the main thing I would say is that I encourage people definitely to give themselves permission to try things out. Yeah. And to give themselves that permission and to take it slowly and incrementally and to give yourself uh, a lot of compassionate pats on the back if the sum total of your role play fantasy involves you telling someone the story as you both, you know, bust out your vibrators and get yourselves off. Up to and including importing Bavarian goats and, <laughs> you know, having the Yudlehihu sound of music thing leading up to your Nazi escape scene. Like, if you need all that shit, that's great. Uh, if all you need is someone whispering into your ear, this is what you're going to do for me tonight. You're never going to tell anyone. Wow. All of those things in that full range have amazing power. And when we allow ourselves to access that power, you're really tapping into some very deep stuff, not just in your own subconscious, but in the collective subconscious. And that type of energy is amazing and and, and startling and always fresh and always, in my opinion, grows us. When we do scenes that are difficult, that's growth. When we do scenes that are a lot of fun, that's growth. It's all over the map. And when you're doing role play, you can be whoever you want. You can be yourself. You can be someone else. You can be yourself in someone else. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thanks, being dude. on the show. Yay. And we'll see. As always, Why Are People Into That is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn, and underwritten by Smitten Kitten, the progressive sex toy store for everyone. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com